Hello, day seven. Been doing this for a week. Going to have a night off tomorrow so that I can put the podcast link out. As I've mentioned, I've been accruing it to put on Spotify and Apple Music for your listening pleasure. But tonight we're going to talk to Nick from New Meds. Uh, and he also has a hand in organisation at Dive, my favourite whole venue. Uh, yeah, so we've got plenty to chat about tonight. Let's see if Nick is around. Good evening. Are you there, Nick? Hello. Hello. Yeah, man. Sorry about that. No problems. We've got you now, loud and clear. How's lockdown going for you? Uh, it's boring. <laughs> um, it's alright. Just trying to find things to do now, man. You know, it's I kind of started the first two weeks off with just getting dug into as DIY and stuff, and then. Slowly but surely, I've got nothing to do. So, yeah, it's all right. Just, you know, just literally trying to find things to do now. I think we're all in the same boat. I'm trying to make the most of it because I don't think we'll ever get a chance to, like, have something like this until we all retire. So, yeah, that's true. All right, then. So, new meds. So, how did you all come to be? Have you all been in bands before? You're a, you're a cracking, talented set of musicians. How did the band get together? And uh, tell, tell everybody a little bit about New Meds first. Um, we, I mean, it was kind of through Dive, to be honest. Um, me and Brody have been friends for quite a while. Um, we weren't really, both of us have been out of music for about eight, eight years, I think, maybe six, seven, eight years, something like that. And um, we were spending a lot of time together and we just kind of knew what the sound that we wanted to go for. And, we just wanted to be in a band together, really. Um, the first idea was for me to write the guitar, and I had a few ideas, but we couldn't really afford a rig at the time, so um, we just sort of put it on the back burner for a bit and then found out that uh, Mark was available as a guitarist um, and uh, sort of started chatting to him about stuff, and then I yeah, just start, started moving with Mark and got together in a practice room, meet just me, Brody, and Mark to start with. <clears throat> wrote a few songs and then um, recorded the first song, Rosalind, and then decided to, to get a bassist if we wanted to start playing live because we didn't really ever think about being a live band at first. It was going to be kind of like a studio project, to be honest. Um, after we'd recorded that first song, we decided that we wanted to be wanted to be playing live because it, it was quite a powerful sound um, and we got we got Sam, Sam Rudderforth in to play bass. Cool. So I didn't know Mark on guitar until we played with you in Stades and we sort of geeked out about pedals for a little bit. And I, and I thought, oh, he seems like a really nice kid. And it turns out that my partner and Simon from our rehearsal room both uh, know him really well. Um, right. Before, before coming to Dive, which we're going to get onto in a bit, I guess I didn't really know anything about you guys. Um, but it seems to me eight years is a long time to be out of music. What projects had you been involved with in the past growing up? Uh, yeah, what were your first sort of bands that you'd been in? Um, I started out listening to Blink-182 as a kid. Um, Nirvana, Blink-182, like Green Day, pop-punk sort of stuff. But I was in a pop-punk band uh, before I even knew how to play guitar, really. It was just a mess about. Um, 
sorry, I just seen some dickhead that just joined. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, started out writing like pop punk music and stuff. Um, just as a mess about with friends in in my house and stuff like that. And then we uh, we started a band together, did a few covers, started playing our own songs. And then um, I later on got a band together called Outspoken Silence that Joey Dean from Bloodsport was part of. Um, Pyra from Three Day Millionaires ended up playing guitar for us towards the end of it as well. Um, and three of my really good mates as well were in it. Um, and that was the last time I had anything to do with music was about, yeah, it was about then. It was more about like friendships um, as a kid. I think you probably, you probably agree you, you needed to be in a band with like people you felt solid with as friends, which is why what that band was about was Outspoken Silence was about being friends and just writing music together and discovering how cool it was to be in, in music for the first time. Yeah, I absolutely so, yeah. agree with that. Um, for me, that, the more I've been doing it, I would say that that's become even more important for me. I guess when you're putting a band together, you obviously look for the musicians that can uh, get together and achieve the sound you want and the sort of quality of playing that you want. But if you're going to spend hours with them in a van or days or months, if you're going on tour properly, then you all need to get along like a house on fire. Yeah, yeah. All right, so your live show, you mentioned that you play guitar, but when you're singing with new meds, you don't have a guitar, you're the vocalist. You can often be seen with a flare in hand and climbing up on the bar or the speaker stack. Is there any particular reason why you decided to put the guitar down for new meds and just be a singer and concentrate on sort of the performance aspect instead? Um, not really. Um, I'm not a good guitarist. Mark is a really good guitarist. Um, like the best guitarist I've ever seen, like hands down, like no disrespect to anybody else. He's just joined us all. Um, is the best musician that I've ever sort of played with as well. Like it's kind of hard to, to say from my point of view, because I never really thought myself as a musician. So it's quite, um, <clears throat> it's quite easy to put a guitar down when you're not very good at it anyway. I, uh, I, I can write the, the way I write is in my mind. It's really weird. Like I'll dream, I'll dream songs up. Like I've wrote pop songs and stuff like that in my sleep before and like dreamt them, but then like you come to translate them and that you just have to do it as like a, as a vocalist, you'll know into like a voice note just to give yourself like, um, just like a reminder of the thing, I guess, like a reminder of the riff or whatever. But um, as a musician, I'm too lazy to be able to play guitar. I'm too technically like, you know, it's like the 10,000 hours thing. I think if you put 10,000 hours into anything, you can be good at it. But I don't think that I would be as good as Mark if, even after 10,000 hours of playing guitar. Um, so it's quite easy to to put the guitar down in that respect. Yeah, I see myself personally as more of like the arranger of the band. So other people come to me with their ideas and I, I'll try and stitch them together into something resembling a good song, you know, like cut out the fat sort of thing. Yeah. You mentioned about like writing songs, maybe even subconsciously in your mind. And I don't want to uh, make you go over stuff that you've been over in other interviews, but I have noticed that new meds have been picked up 
on being big advocates for mental health. And it's something we touched on in the first interview this week with Matt. And we brought it back up with Max from Bloodhound, sort of being fragile in songs. And obviously, New Med's vocals are anything but fragile in the way that they're sung. But the content of the lyrics is all very much to do with mental health. Could you talk a little bit about about that, why you think it's important. And for me, it's, I've, I've mentioned this week that I, I never like a line to be like a throwaway line. I want it to, to mean something every time. And I'm sure that's something that you probably agree with as well. Yeah. I, 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 the way that I write is, um, usually I'll write like 10 to 15, maybe sets of lyrics all with different melodies. Um, obviously like a, a, a slow steady structure of you know like just putting different words in there don't it's not going to be the last it's not going to be the last um it's not going to be the final set of lyrics or anything like that but find a subject uh sometimes well to be fair sometimes i don't always start off with a subject it's just start off with some some lines that you, you kind of have ringing in your head or something that i've wrote down in the past and try and write a song around that i i always kind of try and write around something that's um Excuse me, fucking hell, I've had like, I just had a real quick gin before we started and it's starting to repeat on me. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, try and find like some, something solid, like something catchy to start with or like a, a phrase that I want to get out there, a phrase that I've had in my mind for a while and then I'll write around that usually. Um, and it just usually ends up being about mental health. Uh, I don't think it's, it's not all about mental health. The last song that we wrote is Psycho, even though it sounds like it's about mental health is is more like about other people pu pushing themselves upon you, but I guess it does touch upon mental health a little bit. We kind of fell into that um, whole mental health uh, like pigeonhole quite quite quickly, and we we you know we did. It's not that we didn't that we don't want to be advocates for it or anything like that, but I think sometimes it does play sort of play its toll on you to to always be that that person or that. Uh, that band, I guess, like giving that message out there, like, you know, it's just, it's my experience of life that, and everybody's experience of life is, is to do with mental health, whether you realize it or not, whether it's to do with a girl or whether it's to do with you hating work or whether it's to do with, I don't know, like feeling depressed or anxious or hating something about somebody or hating something about yourself. Everything you write about really does stem from mental health, I think in a way. So I think that's just kind of how it is. I just, I just write passionately and I write aggressively and I write to do with things that mean something to me. And I don't think I, there's no no point in really being in a band if you're not going to be passionate about it, is there? I guess. So. I think so. If you're gonna, as we touched on, if you're gonna get fantastic musicians in to play the music with you, there's no point having lyrics that are just there to serve the purpose of sitting on top of a song there may as well be something that people can get behind. And when things are personal like that to you, as long as you frame them in a way that that other people can understand, then I think uh, that's when people really do get behind it. I think the reason I've maybe touched on mental health today is because obviously this is a big, big change for everybody at the moment, being in lockdown. Everybody's going to be struggling at the moment. Well, maybe not. Personally, I, I, as I said at the start, I'm trying to make the most of it. And 
but I can't deny it's obviously very different. It's very unusual, very alien time for everybody. And obviously me and Nick, I'm sure we both agree. Hope everybody's out there is doing well. I think, I think the, the subject matter of uh, people's songs may change over the next few months. I think so. Yeah. It's getting that way, isn't it? I don't. I don't. I think I've, I've seen it more and more as a lot of people do, do say about the mental health side of it, and I think it's healthy. Um, it's nice that people are starting to do it. Um, I like I say, I never, I never meant to do it. Um, it just kind of happened, and then, obviously, because we are quite open about it, people read into every. Well, people I say any interviews we've had, they usually ask us about mental health to do with. Um, Outside of lyrics, I just think it, it's just more passion and energy and raw emotion. And I kind of find it easier to talk to strangers myself than I do to to talk to anybody that I know. Um, not not talk to strangers, but if there's something that I want to put out there, sometimes it'll go into a song, I guess. Sometimes it is easier to tell somebody that you love or that you care about, but sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger as well, so... Well, I think that says a lot about how genuine your lyrics must come across if you never, ne- you didn't necessarily intend for the mental health thing to come across by design, that it sort of got picked up by accident. Then obviously the lyrics you've written must be, uh, must resonate with people, like as we discussed. Yeah, I think that's good. Like no matter what, um, I'm happy for that. Like if it's on the mental health side of things, it's great. But uh don't ever talk to strangers, stranger danger. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, it's nice. Like, But I just think it, music in general, if people can connect to what your lyrics are about, then you're that's what music is, isn't it, really? You're just trying to get a message out there. Um, and it, if, if people, if it's that side of people that we're getting that are you know, more open to emotion and more suppressive and more sort of depressed and anxious, then that's fine too. Like, their people as well and they listen to our lyrics and hopefully they can get something out of what what we're saying I guess as well and that's that's what it's all about right music's about sharing music's about um expressing your emotions so if, if they're getting that then that, that's fucking win-win yeah I think that's a great attitude to have and uh, a great way to look at it so if anybody watching would like to get a question in for Nick then please do and we'll sort of pepper them in so we'll move on in fact, before we move on, obviously, as bands, we're all a little bit uncertain right now about what we're going to do for the next few months because we can't gig, we can't rehearse, we can't write songs. Well, we can write songs, like sort of remotely, send each other clips and memos and stuff. What are, are New Meds thinking of anything to sort of deal with the current climate that we've got going on now? Um, not really, man. To be honest with you, it's like um, at the moment we kind of have all taken a little step back and um, have let it just sort of pan out. We went was in the studio. Um, when was it? February, early February, I think it was, and that was really stressful, a real stressful time for us, and it, it took its toll on everybody. Um, so we had like a little bit of time off from doing everything because um, I think because we're such a new band in terms of writing when we actually came around to doing the studio stuff it our sound had changed quite drastically without realizing so we've got we've got three really heavy songs recorded um 
and after that, I think we just needed a little break, and um, I think this came at the best time for that, just to have a little refresh because we was in the practice room every maybe sometimes two times a week, even around Christmas when it was freezing. Practice rooms aren't the nicest place to be anyway. And like we had a lot of stress on with dive and everybody like Mark and Sam were working a lot anyway and possibly not particularly happy in the job. So like now is kind of the time where we haven't probably spoke as much as we used to. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that particularly. I just think um, sometimes you just need some time to yourself and, we 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 had all of that stress and all of that pressure um, to get these songs how we wanted them. That we just really needed a little break from music for a little, maybe a month or so. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think we're, we're still we're still planning things. We've got, I mean, uh, we've got the first mix back of one of the songs um, late last night. I need to have a little listen to that and make sure that it's all right. Um, we might drop something. We might put something out there. We've got a song that we wrote, uh, one of the first songs we wrote for the for these three songs, um, and it's called "Poison in the Air." Funnily enough, and it's kind of weird because it came about the whole time way before this. Well, not way before, but it wasn't anything about coronavirus. It was just about um, how humanity and how um, this is how fucking stupid it is. I, went, I ended up writing the lyrics basically about every time I went to shop to um, Tesco's or Sainsbury's or wherever, you could always get what you wanted, like straight away. And I and it just made me think about how, like, how how is it possible that you can just go into Sainsbury's and just pick up, you know, like beef, whatever you want, for example. Like there's no way for anything like that. And it just got, got me kind of thinking about how how we kind of like push our luck with stuff and then this fucking coronavirus thing came about and it was like well there we go it's kind of like clicked into place at the same time so um that we might drop that through irony but then at the same time i don't want to be i don't know if we want to be that band that just drops a song that everybody just thinks is about coronavirus because it really isn't but it sounds like it is because it's got the titles poison in the air but yeah, that's, that's what we've got going on at the moment. We're just deciding what to do with that song. Well, a couple of weeks ago, you could not get beef, no matter how hard you tried. <laughs> exactly. I was kind of glad to see that in a way. It was like, hey, you go. Everybody can fucking kind of take a step back and realise that, you know, you're really lucky to have internet like that and, like, food like that and, like, anything you want like that. Everybody so, like, wants everything now, now, now these days that I think we've lost our patience and um, kind of lost, like, the gratefulness I guess, of like actually how easy it is to live in this day and age. Yeah, I think that, like, that's a really good point. I think if everybody, if anybody is feeling hard done by, if your holiday has been cancelled or like my birthday's in two or three weeks and I've sort of just accepted that it's not going to be the sort of birthday that I look forward to every other year, it's, it's going to pass by and it's not going to be the same. But there yeah. are there are nice things when you go for your daily exercise or your walk, or even if you're just making making use of the extra time that you've got. And you don't have to be doing something productive. You don't have to be learning a new skill. You could just be spending an hour looking out your window at whatever you've got to see or on your walk if you live near some somewhere nice. 
just appreciating what you have around you and the friends that you can talk to, whether that's via FaceTime or via text or what have you. Like, I think yeah, completely. It's I, I, I think it's brought humanity in that way. Ah, completely. I think it's brought a lot of people closer together. I think, it, like, fuck, come on, when's the last time you did a quiz with your family? That's all I'm doing at the moment. It's quiz, quiz, quiz. Like, it's cool. Like, I like it. Like, people are getting inventive and, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm speaking to friends that only live down down the road from me, but I haven't seen them for God knows how long, but now we're talking more than ever. It's cool as fuck. Like, it's not cool as fuck what's going on, but it's it's nice to get the positives out of the negatives, I guess. Yeah, there's there's a bad attitude that you can go into this with, and there's a good attitude, and uh, whether this is something I guess I probably didn't expect to be admitting, but I guess sometimes, like, you know what it's like when you're in bands, you can have beefs with people that aren't necessarily founded or have just come from somewhere and you can hold on to those sorts of things for years and by doing this very podcast style live show thing I've you know had to take a couple of opportunities to think well hang on a minute do I actually have a problem with that person I'm not talking about you specifically or anybody else that I've spoken to so far but maybe bands that I had maybe been envious of at some point or people in bands that I maybe had an opinion of. I think it's just time to let that sort of thing go and just appreciate that if someone shows themselves to be a knobhead, then believe that, but otherwise just give them the benefit of the doubt, perhaps. Yeah. All right. So we've done new meds. I think we should move on to the other topic that we've got to chew the fat over tonight. Dive. How long's Dive been open? For those people that aren't from Hull, Dive is a venue on Prinny Ave, as it's known around these parts. Been open a few years. Nick can tell us a bit more about that. But it's recently turned itself into a fully-fledged music venue. And we've played it twice, and we were booked to play it again in May. Obviously, that can't happen, unfortunately. But it's quickly become, and I've mentioned this a couple of times this week, it's quickly become my favourite place to play. And that's not just because you sometimes hand me Jaeger bombs over the bar. <laughs> Tell us about Dive. How did it come to be? Who's involved? Uh, I mean, from the start, it wasn't anything to do with me. Um, it was Brody and Tom that uh, started it. Uh, it was about three years ago, April the 7th, actually. So it would have been celebrating its third year birthday. While, we're, while we've got all this shit going on. Um, but about, oh, what will it be? Jesus. Summer last year, I started getting involved with it and took over there. Uh, so we've been just trying to rebrand it really and thought about the look of it and thought about the the setup of it, the way that it got a bit of a bad, not I wouldn't say a bad rep, but there was a certain certain people would, would sort of think it was quite hostile to walk into because it was a bar that was built for friends and and when it when it first started. Um, I'm quite business-minded. Um, I've always had little businesses on the go um, and I wanted to get involved to help my friend out, really. That was that was the main the main thing, was to help um, Joe out at the time um, and get it running as a business. Um, and that's what the aim to do was, and we thought the first the best thing to do to start with was go back to how we how we started becoming such good friends and it was through music and our love of music and um 
venues and being in those spaces. So we decided, like, why, why the fuck not just put bands on? Um, so we started putting bands on again. We moved the stage to the middle of the venue so that you weren't walking directly into a bar. Um, you were walking into an empty space and then you'd be going to the bar instead of having to walk by a load of sort of locals and feeling possibly a bit intimidated. Um, and yeah, just, I mean, it's just kind of spiraled from there until, until all this kicked off. We had like big promotion companies like this feeling putting gigs on, um, bands constantly messaging us. We had to take on, um, outside promoters, uh, sorry, in-house promoters to, start looking after specifics um, styles of music because we were getting that many messages. Um, so yeah, it's just been just amazing since I've, since I've been there really. And it's just, I'm learning constantly. Um, it's scary as fuck, man, but it's, it's cool. I enjoy it so much. I think something you touched on there, uh, like Dive's early reputation. I, th- I mentioned at the start when we discussed new meds that I didn't know yourself or Joe or Mark or anybody like that before and uh, I guess that reputation I I was going to touch on that but maybe wasn't quite sure how to address it without coming across as uh, well in a way that I I didn't want to come across but I I know that when Dive opened it did have that sort of feel but I, I don't think that was anything deliberate I know that creating a bar or having my own bar is definitely something that I would love to have, or, and I've thought about like that in the past, but I, I know how easy it would be if I had that to turn my nose up at anybody that walked in that didn't fit the attitude or the music genre that, that I liked. It would be very easy for me to be like, oh, what are you doing in here? So that's probably why I should never have a bar. <laughs> how did um, How did you turn that around? Because now that it's become a music venue and we've played, I feel more comfortable there than anywhere else in the city. And that's a massive, like that's a massive turnaround from personally speaking, how I guess I felt back in the day. Yeah. It's a massive turnaround to here as well. That's what it's been all about really. Um, it, it, I don't know. Like it's, it's still not fully there yet. Um, every single person that used to come in as a local still comes in as a local they just know now that that the time that well, what first things first is the people that were in there drinking a lot of the time, um, possibly when you first went in, when I first went in, before I knew any of them, before any you know any of the hostility. It was never hostility. It was um, pe- people having a good laugh. The main thing is that pe- people would say is that you were walking into a house party that you weren't particularly invited to, and I got that vibe sometimes. I think. If you're having a good time and there's 20 people that you know in the room and two new people walk in and they don't have any friends with them, of course you're going to feel a bit alienated. Um, there's those people, uh, the the lads that built that they literally built dive with their own hands. They they put their own free time and effort into it, and they still would never have a bad word said about it. Um, for for us, I think turning it around was more about not not. Um, not changing anything particularly with the people that were going in there, but just making anybody that might walk in there feel a bit more welcome. Um, have a look at the layout, have a look at even even moving bar stools out the way, for example, when um, on, on busier nights and stuff like that, we start 
we'll move the bar stools away from the bar so that people can get to the bar. And um, I, I was actually stopping people at some points um, that, you know, I'd see people walk in and, and, I, and then walk in, have a look and they walk straight back out. So I actually three or four times, I actually chased after them and I was like, look, I'm, I'm not being a dick. I'm really sorry, but we need to learn from this. Like, why are you not, why, why did you not come in? And they'd be like, you know, really uncomfortable about saying it, but they'd give us feedback. And it was like, if you don't ask people honest, honestly, what, you know, what they want from somewhere, then how do you expect to, to sort of learn? You know, you can't take it as, uh, they said, oh God, you, you know, they said this about it. They said that about it. If someone thinks the toilets are a shithole, they think the toilets are shithole. It's always going to be a dive at the end of the day. And I'm like, it's not going to be, um, it's not going to be Humber street. You know, the, uh, another thing is like the, there's no money around that area. Like every single penny that's been pumped into there has been the lads that were involved in it in the first place. My own money, um, Tom's money, Brody's money. It, it was all our money. Like the council pumped so much money into the city centre and pumped so much money into Humber Street that there's no way that we would ever get to be that. You know, we can't afford a forty grand bank loan to go and get all the interior done how we want it. We just get reclaimed furniture and we do it up ourselves. And if something breaks, we we mend it ourselves or patch it up until it don't work anymore. You know, but I don't know. To think, I think reputation is a long time to turn around. I think it'll come. We've got some really good ideas for going forward and the music seems to be bringing people together is the main thing that I would say. As soon as we started putting gigs on, we started getting different crowds in there because we were putting totally different totally different genres on. You know, we had like drum and bass nights, we had rap nights, we had like super heavy metal nights, like indie nights, like absolutely everything. So it's kind of a place like Steve John has just said, a place for the people. It's a place for absolutely anybody to go and anybody should feel happy there and if I'm working on the bar Brody's working on the bar like you're gonna know that you're you're welcome there because we appreciate every single penny that goes into it obviously I definitely think you've achieved that and I think you've done that without changing as you said the locals are still going in there the people that were there at the beginning are still going in there so it's not like you've changed it so that it's unrecognizable and that those people don't like it anymore I think you've yeah. really smashed it. You've not changed the vibe. You just have managed to make it feel more welcoming for people that might not be part of the the, the original crowd. And that's yeah. like definitely something I, I think you've done a fantastic job on. I guess the, I have tr maybe tried to explain earlier this week like why it's so, so good as a music venue. And I think maybe to begin with, I don't think it ever... Was it, was it never intended as a music venue? Because it is just the one room with the bar in there. And it's, it's small, but it can, fit, it can fit a good number of people in. And to be a musician looking for somewhere to play a gig, okay, you expect that in your hometown, you're going you're gonna to get the most people there rather than yeah. traveling to somewhere else. But we can play venues in Hull, like Adelphi or Polar Bear, and they've got multiple rooms, and they're big rooms. And the moment you've got 60, 70, 80 people in there, the moment they start filtering outside for a smoke or into another room, it can quickly start looking empty, and that can sap your enthusiasm for a gig. But yeah. at Dive, you walk in through the smoking area, which is nice, with benches, tables, and artificial grass. 
You walk straight in, as you mentioned, past the stage, so you can already see people having a good time, to the bar and then through to the toilets. To me, mm. it is the best possible layout for a gig venue. Adding to that is the fact that, like Bridge Spa, for example, it's wider than it is long. So people can't go and hide at the back of the room because they don't want to be, I, d I don't know, I guess it's like, like that stand-up comedy mentality where you don't want to be in the, the front row in case you get heckled. No band's frontman is ever going to heckle you if you're in the front row. They're going to appreciate yeah. the fact that you've come all the way to the front and you're getting into the tunes. And oh, dive sorry. sort of forces that on people because you don't want to stand around at the bar getting a drink, getting in people's way. So the only other place you can stand is in front of the band and have a good time. Mm. Yeah, I think it, it does push people out of the comfort zones in a way, and I think it should do. I think it that that's important for for self-development as well, to be pushed out of your comfort zone. And sometimes, well, not too much, but like just to go back to the point of saying um, before, when I chased after people to ask them what they felt about about diving, why they left in the first place, why they didn't come in for a drink. I accidentally caught up with somebody... Um, who had social anxiety and, and felt crippled by the fact that there was more than three or four people in there. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I understand where you're coming from sort of thing, but there's plenty of space over there. If you want to sit down in the corner, you know, that you can go and sit down in the corner. And when it's not a venue, it's a, it is a like quite a nice chilled out space during the week. Um, I think it's the only place, um, and this isn't like a dig at anywhere, but I think it's the only place that does that where it is super chilled out during the week where we set up um, we set up tables and benches for people to sit and chill on. So there's like four or five spaces for people. And then on the night, like you say, if it becomes, if there's a gig on, you kind of have to get involved in it. And if you're going to a, a music venue, then of course you're going to need, you're going to be involved in the music in somewhere maybe, Maybe it's not exactly how everybody would want it, but it's a sweatbox gig, and there's not many of those um, a sweatbox venue, and there's not many of those sort of left left about now. Um, it's I don't know. I think it's it is what it is, man. It, you know, and and we take we take criticism on the chin. I, I try not to let it hurt too much because it it's it, at the end of the day, it's like you know you'll know yourself. Like if someone slags your band off and you hear about it, the first thing you want to do is ask them you know, what, what the fuck's up with you, like, sort of thing. But it's not a healthy way to go about it because you're not going to please everybody at the end of the day. But you want to know, as a venue, we can change to adapt to people that do want to see live music that didn't like something about it. If they come in and they go, I didn't like it because it was so crowded and it was it was live music and it was loud and, you know, I had to walk through a crowd to get to the bar. There's nothing we could do about that, unfortunately, so... If it's if it's something that you don't like, you don't like that sort of thing. But there are certain elements of customer service that you you can change, and that will actually help you to be a better business. Which is what we're more interested in: is the people that like the music, and the people that like the venue, and the people that like that sort of vibe. How we can make it better for them? Because there's plenty of those people about. Yeah, I definitely don't think you should be worried about it being crowded because uh, I think that's the aim of the game at the end of the day. While you were talking there, I've written, I would fucking love a pint in dive. <laughs> Mate, so before, so we, before we wrap things up, you've been, you've been doing gigs at dive for a few months now. 
what the best three bands you've had in dive or the best three gigs that have taken place in dive as far as you're concerned shit man you've got me real bad there because my memory's so bad someone and, else uh, has joined called Jägerdom and Jägerdom, anybody yeah. that knows me knows I'm an absolutely so absolute sucker for a Jägerbomb and uh that's just I'm sent just... me on some sort of crazy... My, my mind's gone elsewhere. Uh, shout out Dom, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Dom. Happy birthday. Dom used to run the bar. Um, God knows how he managed it when it, it, when it was on, you know, when it was in a real bad time, he was he was there sort of looking after it also. Shout out to Dom there. Um, I, well, everybody said that, that we, unluckily, unfortunately enough, um, New Meds were gigging um, one night when all was in love were playing, that was supposed to be an amazing gig. Um, They're a great band. Like he looks like Kurt Cobain reincarnated, and I'm sure he absolutely hates that thing <laughs> being said about him. But it's it's impos- impossible to get away from. Even his teeth look like Kurt Cobain's teeth. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I caught up with them at, at BBC introducing um, stage at Humber Street. That like this, like nice kids, like the proper down to earth. You know yourself, like. Playing with bands sometimes they can have a bit of an ego, especially when they get a bit of traction. But they're proper nice guys. Um, but I don't know, man. Fuck. Uh, best bands. Most of the stuff that sounds for your sounds for your magazine put on are the are the are the bands that and the, the gigs that are the best. Just because Dom throws that much into it and really cares about what he's doing or promote it every day. You know, it takes a lot of pressure off a venue when, because sometimes, obviously, we don't. Sometimes we'll put gigs on ourselves, and sometimes we'll put gigs on through other people that, obviously, other promoters and stuff like that. But Sounds Fear and Dom, Dom Smith, um, they sort of really, really go through the promotion, and they really look after their bands, and they want to make sure that it's full. So anything sort of that way, and obviously, you guys, the last time you played was pretty fucking cool as well. <laughs> Cheers, man. I was I was gonna buy you from saying that because I knew that you would. So I was gonna make you pick three others, but no, I appreciate that a lot. I was gonna I was gonna say the Strange Burns gig as well, but we, we were on that, so we definitely can't say that. But watching them was incredible because I think that just to sort of um, put a wrap on it, I guess is um, we aimed to get that. It was June last year, and we aimed to get everything in the venue sorted for them. It was the first time we'd had a band on in the new setting and we put them on the new meds um, just because why not, you know. We, we wanted to play with them. They asked us to play. Um, Joe Brody had had um, had known Bob and the band from from when he was in Drowners and stuff like that. Um, they played and they were, like, phenomenal. Like, And they always are. Like, they're ridiculously good Um loud we hired like a massive rig before we had before we had the money to get a PA system we had to hire a rig in and stuff and Bernie just managed to break even it was like the first time that we'd put a gig on like that so we were shitting ourselves we were shitting ourselves for the venue didn't know if we was going to make enough money looked at the ticket sales like a couple of days like sort of beforehand because I tried not to look at them and there was like three tickets left we was like all right we can breathe now we can relax like we know it's going to be good sort of thing cool well, yeah, unless anybody's got any last questions for Nick, then we'll uh, we'll start wrapping things up. I know that we were looking forward a great deal to, in May next month, putting out our EP at Dive, having a launch night. 
I need to talk to you at some point about trying to to, to rearrange that, but I can't wait to be back. And I, I strongly suggest that anyone from around here comes and checks out Dive if you haven't already. And if you have and you didn't like it in the past, then things are a hell of a lot different now and you might like it now, as we've been chatting about. So I wish you all the best with New Med stuff and with Dive stuff. Is there anything else you wanted to chat about before we go? Um, no, good man. Like, thanks for sort of shouting us out and stuff. And we're looking forward to having you guys back. Um, and just having a fucking pint in the sun as well. Like, it feels like it's miles away, but I'm sure it should it should be just around the corner. Should I wait until I can have a Jaeger bomb and dive, or shall I get some Jaeger and some Red Bull and have those at home? I would do both. Not wait, but get yourself some some Jaeger anyway because you know it might be a you know it could be a long haul yet mate don't starve yourself <laughs> I'm going to turn into an alcoholic I think it so. won't taste as good but you can do it on, on your own that sounds uh, fun in a way my, my partner <laughs> just says no in the comments but uh, <laughs> she'll be involved in no time I'm sure yes. alright Nick well thanks very nice much one. thanks Cheers, for bro. coming on as I mentioned at the start, I'm going to have tomorrow off because I've been doing this for a week. And then after that, I've got a few interviews lined up and then I might start making it every other day just so that I can have a little bit more time to think and put things together. Tomorrow night, I will put out the link so that you can listen back to the last seven days worth of shows on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And I strongly recommend that you tune in and you know, listen to what we've had to talk, talk about this week because it's been fun. Oh, man. Actually, one one more thing, um, to be fair. We did, um, mm. we're looking at starting something for Dive as, um, obviously, as a lyricist, I've always been interested in other frontmen's lyrics and stuff. So I want to chat to you guys about, about your lyrics as well. well That'd be nice. On. It'd be nice to be on the receiving end of the questions, I guess, after this week. <laughs> nice. Yeah, just relax a bit. You can have a Jaeger bomb then. Absolutely. Well, let's arrange that and I look forward to talking to you again. Nice one, man. Cheers. All right, mate. Uh, coming up on Friday is Steph Hebden from Low Hummer. And I'm looking forward to talking to Steph. Uh, I'm sure she's going to have many interesting things to talk about. So hopefully, see you there on Friday. It is Wednesday tonight, right?